Hello and welcome to Management for Startups. Management for Startups is about learning management in small teams, businesses, and organizations between 2 to 50 people. My name is Cedric. This podcast is never longer than 15 minutes, so let's get started. Today, I want to talk about a technique uh, that was covered in Kim Scott's book, Radical Candor, which I read two years ago called Career Conversations. And Career Conversations was developed by uh, Kim's uh, colleague at Google called uh, Russ Laraway. And he developed this technique when Google had just acquired this large uh, ad tech company called DoubleClick. And Russ's challenge was that he wanted to be able to keep the people. uh, And it was very crucial to act quickly in the first couple of months after the acquisition before everybody sort of got bored or disillusioned and left. And that would be a disaster, right? Because like if you acquire a big company and the people with the institutional knowledge and institutional know-how leaves the company, then you are you pretty much like acquired very you know very little. Uh, so Russ needed to be able to keep his team, and this was like the t- I think the company that was acquired was like in the hundreds of people. And so he developed this technique through trial and error, and then eventually rolled it out throughout the entire DoubleClick organization inside Google. And it was a success. And to my great surprise, when I read the book, uh, I realized that I was doing exactly the technique, right? But I had not known of the technique beforehand. Uh, I had not read any materials about it. I had developed it through trial and error because um, when my company pivoted from being a mobile consulting company, basically an out- a glorified outsourcing firm, uh, to becoming a product company, uh, I really needed to keep the people that I had because A, like I had, we had lost a lot when, when we were trying to shift and B, like there was too much to do uh, now that we're developing a product of our own to uh, probably, properly figure out hiring. So I didn't want to be able to, you know, I didn't want to do too many things. I needed to hold on to the people that I had because I thought they were pretty good. So I developed this technique and, and, and then I was really surprised when reading the book that it was really similar to Russ Laraway's career conversations techniques, right? And so uh, this episode, we're going to talk about what the technique is, how you apply it, and then I'll talk about my reflections on applying it in an Asian context, which is slightly different, I think. And uh, for, for full disclosure, I ran the, the Vietnam office for a Singaporean company and the social norms around uh, Vietnam for employment, the kind of questions that you you can ask are very different. So I will talk about it a bit from the Asian perspective, but keep in mind that I'm talking about it also from the Vietnam perspective. Uh, and the Vietnamese perspective, in my opinion, is more um, social, uh, more uh, community-based, I mean, less individualistic. And so therefore, like, it's normal to ask questions, deeply personal questions, in fact, about uh family and background and so on and so forth. So I'll keep that in mind. Um, and the way I'm going to do this is I'm going to describe the technique. Uh, I'm going to talk about why it works and sort of uh, how I stumbled upon it myself. And then I'll compare and contrast versus like what Russ says and what uh, I do. Um, and then I'll end the episode with like my reflections on using this technique for more than, I think it was like two and a half years uh, but at the, by the point when I uh, read the book. Um, so, right, career conversations consist of three conversations. Uh, these are, this is a really time-consuming uh, technique. So uh, Russ, I think, says that you should only do this at the very beginning when you when you have a new subordinate coming in, or in this case, when you need to, you know, you have a new organization completely acquired within Google, and it's really important to keep all the people in that organization. Um, the goal of career conversations is to know where your subordinates are coming from. You know, their background, what kind of people they are, what are their values, 
um, and then get to know their dreams uh, and then link their dreams to their uh, skills, right? Skills that they, they desire to acquire in order to achieve those crazy dreams. Um, and then finally to tie it back to their existing roles and to act as uh, managers, as servant leaders, in fact, uh, Russ uses this phrase, um, to give them what they need in order to achieve their goals in their current roles. Uh, well, that's a bit of a mouthful, but basically to achieve their dreams, there are skills that they need. And you as a manager have, have a lot of power in uh, giving them those skills, in assigning them tasks that help them along to achieve those dreams or to even uh, be career champions for them and to uh, sort of help them along and give them referrals, grow their network, uh, give them opportunities or, or uh, have the company uh, use its resources to send them to classes and so on and so forth. So three conversations. The first conversation is getting to know who they are and where they come from. And this one is uh, pretty much socialization 101. Um, you do want to know the people that you're working with. And I think um, for most of us, we naturally get a feel for our colleagues. Uh, and this is sort of like a natural organic process that happens over like, you know, a year as you're working together, right? You know who they are, what kind of people they are, uh, how they would, might react to certain events. But and this sort of mental model of each of your subordinates or each of your colleagues is built in the course of working in a company. Now, Ross takes a different approach, right? Because of the situation that he, was, he found himself in, um, and also, if you are dealing with a new subordinate, this would be a similar situation. You want to get to know them as quickly as possible. And you want to gain their trust and you want to trust them as quickly as possible. And I think that that's sort of like the goal, right, of every good manager. If you want to increase the managerial leverage, you want to increase the output of your team, then it really matters that you can trust your team and that your team can trust you as a manager and as a person. Um, so the first technique that he does to compress this all is to ask, Starting from kindergarten, tell me about your life. Um, I'm not sure, I, I've never actually tried this in Vietnam. Uh, in Vietnam, in my context, in the Asian context, the, the thing that, I, that, that works really well for me is I have a set of questions. And the questions are usually like, tell me about your hometown if they don't come from one of the big cities. Like if they don't come from Ho Chi Minh City or uh, Hanoi, uh, tell me about your, uh, uh, your hometown. It's usually a really interesting way for them and for me to sort of learn about each other. And I'll share about my hometown as well because I'm not from a big city. Um, if they're not from a, if they are from a big city, then I'll say like, tell me about the schools that you went to. Like, tell me about uh, uh, the university you went to, what you enjoyed in university. Uh, tell me about meeting your girlfriend, or if you're married, tell me about meeting your wife. Uh, just tell me to tell. And sorry, sorry. Um, in Vietnam, I think it's it's a bit more acceptable to ask these questions, and. Uh, it's a bit bizarre to me as well because uh, I, I studied in Singapore, I'm Malaysian, uh, and I come from a small town in Malaysia, but uh, I noticed that these are the kinds of questions that they're okay with asking, like not too long into working with them. And so I reciprocate, right? I just do what they they do and and then it's a two-way and then we've got a two-way conversation going where I'm sort of sharing a bit about myself but I'm 90% of the time I'm listening to what they have to say so the goal of the first conversation is you want to know what kind of people they are right get get a get a feel for the values uh, and you want to remember that the work here is all on the manager side you have to remember what kind of people they are because that comes in in the second conversation um, now one caveat you do want to respect boundaries if they don't want to talk about their mom or their dad because they have a bad relationship if they have had a traumatic childhood you look watch their body language uh, watch their level of discomfort 
and avoid those topics. I mean, naturally, right? And, and, and move the conversation to something where they are more comfortable talking about. This is obvious and I, uh, I'm i just adding it here you know, just in case you listen to this technique and think, oh, I can, I can roll this out. I just have to ask the question and that's it. Obviously, the normal rules of uh, social interaction apply. The second conversation builds on the first, right? And the second conversation is, what are your dreams? Now, for this particular conversation, it's really important to, to phrase the question correctly. If you say things like, where do you see yourself in five years? Or where do you see yourself in 10 years? Uh, experienced employees uh, will give an answer that sounds a bit like, you know, I want to be like you, which means that I'm ambitious, but I don't want your job. Uh, I am not a threat. Right, And this is sort of an empty, cliched answer which you don't want. So Russ says to ask, what are your dreams? Like crazy dreams, right? Um, and it can be as crazy as I want to uh, quit my job and uh, start a farm, right? Or I, I want to uh, have a second career as a novelist. Um, ask for the craziest dreams that they can think of and ask for three to five uh, and I think this advice is far superior to what uh, what I do. I, I found as, as well that asking for dreams is a good idea. Um, but unlike Russ, I, I didn't have the experience to know that uh, you want to be careful of steering the conversation away when uh, they give you safe answers like, I want to be like you, or I want to be a product manager uh, like you, or same level in organization, right? Um, you have to be careful of employees who don't fully trust you yet. Uh, and they want to just give the standard, you know, safe, acceptable answers that show ambition. And, you know, uh, they think that you're expecting those answers for them. And so they give it. Um, and so the goal of the second conversation is to eventually get, after you have like three to five dreams, to tie that to specific skills. And I remember in uh, amongst my team, there were a couple who wanted to start businesses. There were one or two who wanted to migrate to Canada, um, migrate away out of Vietnam to, to work at interesting jobs outside of Vietnam. One of them, I think, wanted to move to Singapore and work. Uh, and that I could definitely help him with, no, not only through like skills, but also through network. And the goal is at the end of it, you sort of just sit down and you say, hey, you know, it's like for each of these dreams, like say you want to go work in a software engineering company in Singapore. Um, there are the, the really good software engineering companies in Singapore have algorithmic interviews and they also have design interviews. So we can't really help you with the algorithmic bit because that doesn't really come up in the job, but I can help you and I can give you um, tasks that help you with designing systems and we can work on that for the next, you know, uh, 12 months. Um, or uh, I can say like, you know, you, you do your tour here in Floating Cube, you work for us and, and then when you want to leave and I think you are good enough, like you've learned all you can learn and you start platooing in Floating Cube, uh, we can send you off uh, I, I, I will be happy to see you to go and I will give you all my contacts in Singapore, uh, introduce you to people and so on and so forth. And I have done that. Um, and that's really helpful, right? Because if you link uh, their, their dreams to skills that they can gain, uh, steps that they can take in their current role, then they feel uh, like they're making progress and they feel that you're on their side. Needless to say, of course, that as a manager, when you say that, oh, I will give you tasks that will move you towards this goal by helping you learn these skills, you actually do have to follow up on that. Um, but the, the up, upshot, the upside, sorry, of, of doing that is that you will get a level of retention and a level of loyalty and 
happiness uh, that you wouldn't otherwise get. And I think this is sort of a competitive advantage. Maybe it's more normal in Silicon Valley, but in Asia, in Singapore, in Vietnam, this is really rare. And I think that's why I had a much higher retention rate than many of my friends uh, or many of my peers in their companies. All right, so that's the second conversation. And the, the output of the second conversation is a document with a list of dreams shared between you and your subordinate and a list of skills needed to uh, achieve those dreams uh, in sort of like you can imagine it in a table form. And if you go to the managementforstartups.com, I will upload a template for this, which you can download. Um, so you have a, a document now, and that becomes the input for the third conversation. And of I don't have to, I mean, obviously you do want to build that document collaboratively. Uh, and that becomes even more important in the third conversation. So the third conversation, Ras talks about how you should ask uh, your subordinate to come up with a, an 18-month plan uh, to acquire uh, the skills needed for some of their dreams. Um, and you work with them on that, but Russ says that he wants the subordinates to come up with it on their own so that they uh, have the skill to manage and control their career even outside, even if they leave Google, even if they leave DoubleClick. Um, I have a different take on that. I think, I don't know whether it's a function of, you know, it being Google or it being American and it, it being uh, in the West. But in Asia, I found that quite a number of people are quite happy to let you drive the conversation and drive the career path for them, right? You give it to them and you say that, okay, here's like the, 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 the order and the skills that you need sorry, these are the skills that you need to learn to get towards your goals and then they agree because uh, it's usually quite clear that what skills are needed and this is the order that I can, you know, arrange it for you, do you agree or not? And they're usually really happy with this, I found in Vietnam and to some extent uh, the Singaporeans that I've interacted with, um, mostly maybe because of Asian education systems, I don't know, like we're taught or from a young age to listen and be polite and uh, follow a curriculum, whatever's force-fed to us. Um, but this works better in Asia, and I would say that if if you are operating in an Asian context, and you do this, and you find that people don't bite, they don't they don't take advantage of of this. It's either because they don't trust you yet, or it's because of the the cultural context, and they are actually really happy and way grateful if you take charge and you say, hey, you know, does this sound great to you? I I think these are the skills, and this is the order that I can help you learn them. Right. So. Um, Reflections. Uh, after implementing this technique, I would say that my retention has really gone up. And I think uh, the people that I've, I've managed, the people that have worked with me and under me uh, have really enjoyed their time at the company. In fact, I'm still friends with pretty much all of them. Uh, they still message me from time to time and uh, I've kept my promise uh, whenever they, they wanted to move out of the company or whenever they, 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 they want to move to, a, a, to Singapore. I gave them contacts, I introduced them to companies, and I helped them along in their careers. And I think that's the way it should be, right? Because as a manager, you want to be a servant leader. You don't want to be the boss that dictates everything from on high. All right, so that's it for this week. Cedric out.